the design process is key to delivering safe, sustainable infrastructure. 2TM Consulting Engineers President Tim Martin joins the podcast to talk about the design-build concept and how it supports successful pavement project outcomes. Transportation infrastructure. It's what keeps our economy moving and gets people safely where they need to go. But maintaining safe, reliable infrastructure assets is a complex challenge that requires innovative solutions. I'm Nick Frank from Agile Assets, and I'll be your guide as we navigate through the complex and evolving world of infrastructure asset management. My guest today is Tim Martin. He is the president of 2TM Consulting Engineers, a pavement engineering company providing design, evaluation, forensic services, and litigation support. Tim has over 30 years of experience working nationally and internationally in pavement engineering and was the manager of the FHWA's Southern Region Long-Term Pavement Performance Program. Tim, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk with you today about some design build and alternative delivery. But before we get to any of that, can you tell me about your role at 2TM Consulting Engineers? This is a private consultancy that my wife and I started in January of 2021. Uh, I'm currently the president of 2TM Consulting Engineers, providing pavement engineering services to our clients. Well, Tim, I'm excited to talk with you today about design, build, and alternative delivery. So let's just jump into it. What is a design, build concept? Well, the design, build concept is a process of letting projects to one building company, uh, which develops a single point of contact through the entire process with the owner, uh, including everything from designing, plan preparation, estimating, and construction. But a good design, build project will have sufficient data for the engineers to provide the most cost-effective designs for the design build team. Uh, these can be as-built documents if it's an existing facility. Uh, it can be geotechnical investigations of the pavement and soils underneath. But a lot of this information sometimes comes out and it's very sparse. I've seen borings every, you know, one every half a mile, which is not what would be recommended. Now, I know there's a couple different types of building processes. You know, you think of the design bid build project and the design build project. How do that, the traditional and the design build project, how do they differ? Well, the engineer, instead of working separately for the agency and then the contractor owning directly with the agency, both of those are on the same team. And so there's one contract with the owner, which has all of the engineering and construction capabilities and the design and construction is separate in the design bid build as i mentioned before and as we dive into the design build process what are some of the benefits and advantages of those style projects well my experience is with uh, highways and not structures and those are two different animals but both have been built with conventional design bid and design bid build. The main advantages of design build in highway paving is that the team usually consists of the full set of experts, the geotechnical engineers, the general civils. You know, uh, it also has industry specialists, uh, materials 
folks, contractors, and they can solve problems quicker when they arise because they're on the same team. Uh, this also provides fewer disputes that sometimes happen between the engineer and the contractor in a design bid build, uh, which leads to fewer interruptions or delays making the project turnaround typically quicker than a design bid build. It also simplifies the design, planning, and construction process through that single point of contact with the agency, which can reduce risks and communication issues and the like. Uh, and typically, this, this translates to a reduced cost. So advantages are having this full team of experts in one house, fewer interruptions and delays, simplifies the process, can translate to some reduced costs. What are some of the drawbacks to the design-build projects? Well, there needs to be a high level of trust and communication among the parties. Uh, and so the experience of the agency has a lot to deal with the success or demise, I think, of a design-build project. Uh, and the owner has a little less control over the process in a design-build, uh, but as I mentioned, needs to be uh, more involved in that project. And what are some of the challenges that arise when designing bid builds? Well, the owner will typically need a more comprehensive set of construction documents, uh, which could mean more cost and time because they're going to provide those engineering documents then to the contractor for bid. The client is largely responsible for interpreting those construction documents and identifying any changes uh, during construction. Uh, there's also a, a lost opportunity that I think is sometimes forgotten uh, that the agency has a chance to learn from the contractor more in a design build versus a design bid build. And if the owner is not engaged in the construction phase, uh, the drawings and specifications might not be used as intended, or they may not be adhered to by the contractor in the design bid build. Uh, there's also no opportunity before construction to resolve issues with ambiguity or uncertainty and or find a correct possible errors and omissions in the construction document. And if there's no evaluation by the owner of the work as it progresses, there is reduced likelihood construction defects and deficiencies are corrected in a timely manner. So from your experience, whether through design build or bid build, how important has it been for the owners to be involved in the project. You just talked about some of the disadvantages and advantages. So how important is it for that owner to be involved? I think the owner uh, is extremely important and the experience of that owner is, is important because the, the main advantage of a design build project is that you hope that there's more innovation on the part of the engineers and contractors uh, to provide um, a economical yet good performing project. Now, as we go down the path of diving into these projects, what types of projects specifically are good for the design build approach? Well, as mentioned, my experience is only with highways. And typically the owner in that case is a Department of Transportation or a tollway uh, authority. But these owners typically have a lot of experience. Uh, they also put these projects out to bid to design builders, so they still retain that cost benefit of the bid process, which typically is reserved for design bid build projects. Design build projects usually require a set of technical provisions, uh, at least with TxDOT, that's what is rolled out, which provides guidance on the layout 
applicable specifications, the types of materials uh, that are allowed to be used, uh, the design procedures, if there's a preference, and the performance requirements that they'll expect uh, over the life of that facility. They also include a set of instructions to proposers, uh, which is really the proposal documents, which describe the project goals, funding, administrative requirements, reference documents, contractual requirements, as well as the instructions on how to submit the proposal and what it needs to contain. There's also a design build agreement or DBA uh, typically included, which has transaction information, the role of the parties, the types of tests and inspections that will be required, project schedule, construction procedures, EPA requirements, uh, disadvantaged business requirements, payment, insurance, security, warranties, and other contractual and legal conditions. So these are quite voluminous documents that come out for these uh, and quite comprehensive. But I think out of all of those, the most important one is the capital maintenance agreement. And maybe that's just because I'm not a lawyer, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. But the CMA outlines the performance requirements that need to be maintained by the design build team, as well as options to extend the maintenance term by the agency if they so desire. This can include a concession to the design build team to collect toll revenue during that time. But it's important that the CMA outline the type and frequency of testing, as well as the corrective actions required and the time limit uh, that the contractor is allowed to correct those deficiencies and implement those corrective actions. Uh, this can include condition information, friction or skid resistance, and almost all of them include a ride quality requirement. But local uh, entities may benefit from design build for large complex projects, but for typical street designs for local agencies, I don't think design build may be the best fit. Well, I like the transparency there, you know, not every project and not every build is equal fit for every size of, of agency. So I appreciate that. As we progress along, sustainability is becoming more and more important in the world of transportation infrastructure. So how does sustainability play a factor in the design build projects? Well, you're absolutely right. And, and to this point, I have not seen much of a sustainability requirement for projects. For buildings, there's LEED certification, uh, but for, for pavements, I think we're just starting to see environmental credits and sustainability and concerns about CO2 emissions creep into the design process and even the pavement alternative uh, that you select. So these are all going to be more important considerations and going to be required by the owners and agencies. And as I mentioned, these concerns in regards to climate change, CO2 emissions, you know, heat island or albedo, the amount of disruptions to traffic, uh, so there's user costs as well as CO2 emissions uh, until we go completely electric with our vehicles, uh, but the reuse of materials uh, and recycling those for the social and environmental concerns. But regardless of the method of procurement, these considerations will impact uh, the recommendations that engineers provide and contractors. Right now, there's a lot of research by the Sustainability Hub at MIT that talks about pavement vehicle interaction and that rigid pavements 
provide better fuel efficiency for vehicles. So those kind of considerations are, be, are being taken into, into effect. Uh, but also Heat Island, I know that uh, there are agencies, I think in the Phoenix area, that actually will coat a reflective coating on their darker asphalt pavements to try and reduce the heat island effect. So there's already things being done in regards to sustainability, but I have a feeling we're going to see more requirements uh, in the years ahead. As someone who went to college in Phoenix, I'm well aware of how hot those pavements can get and the whole cracked egg, you know, making the egg on the side of the road. That's a legitimate thing there, which was very surprising as someone coming from the north. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, with the design build, it comes back to contractors. So what is that relationship like with that with the contractors and the engineers and the owners? Yeah, there are certain aspects that are sometimes forgotten when talking about these different project delivery approaches. And I think, you know, one of them includes the fact that contractors do not select their engineering partners based on qualifications based selection. Uh, which is typical of engineering services uh, and would be required of the owner when hiring an engineer for a design uh, bid build project. So usually you're hired on with a, a lump sum value to do quite an array of services. And with the qualifications-based selection, I think you're getting one of the more experienced valued engineers in there, but they sometimes have the freedom to uh, do what's needed uh, a lot of times, I think the design builds are built for the least amount of cost possible that meets the requirements. Uh, some of the other things uh, is, you know, I mentioned the QBS, but the engineer is acting on behalf of the contractor design build team, not the owner in, in a design build project. Uh, engineers are to provide the standard of care when executing their services. However, if alternatives meet those technical requirements, they may not be the best for long-term performance of the asset. When you develop a thickness design, you're developing a, a pavement that is uh, structurally sufficient to meet the traffic loadings for that period of time. Obviously, a thicker pavement would last longer, but you don't do that. There's an economy there. So everything that you can imagine, your material selection, interventions that you may plan within that design build period of time, all will have an effect. And then to counter these issues, uh, you know, design build projects usually included that performance warranty that I mentioned, which I, I believe is very important. And these alleviate a lot of the risk to the owner from the design build projects. Because if there is any construction deficiencies or any innovations that have been utilized that may not live up, at least you have that performance requirement. And a lot of these can be 15-year terms, you know, with five-year things that the DOT can re-up and take the asset over uh, with those revenues, or they can force the contractor to keep the, the maintenance requirement over that period of time. Building on that owner-contractor relationship, are there any technical requirements and guidance that owners have to provide for design-build projects? There's many technical requirements developed by owners for the design build projects uh, that are very prescriptive regarding the pavement type or other parameters. Uh, this can limit the most cost-effective design from being realized. Uh, and a life cycle cost analysis uh, is often required, but not always. Uh, but I think it should be conducted to examine different pavement alternatives. 
The analysis should be based on accurate performance information from pavement management systems, as well as optimum timing of treatments over the design life of the asset. And that design life should be based on a minimum, I believe, of 40 years, uh, or the maximum interval the initial design alternative will last prior to requiring a reconstruction. And in the case of continually reinforced concrete pavements with treated bases, this design life could be over 50 years. Zooming out just a little bit, are there any specific specifications that DOTs follow when they're putting together these design build projects? Most agency specifications are method-based specifications. All of the DOT design build projects I've been involved with include the state DOT specifications. These are method-based specifications that provide guidance on the quality of the different materials, but also the means and methods to place them. Most incentives included in paving projects are for strength, density, and ride quality. These are good tools to evaluate consistency and quality. However, performance-based specifications allow a greater flexibility to the paving contractor and less liability for the owner. If the contractor can provide or prove that he followed and passed all of the requirements of a, a method-based specification when placing the materials, the onus is typically on the owner that required those specifications. And that's why performance-based specifications allow the owner to focus on the actual outcome they would like, such as ride quality, durability, and long-term performance. Tim, we've talked about you know, the design-build approach, what it is, the advantages, the disadvantages, some sustainability. Are there other things about the design build that we didn't talk about today that you feel like needs to be added? Well, I, I think we've touched on, you know, the types of innovation that sometimes comes out of design build projects. And, and these are done through alternative technical concepts or ATCs um, that are only allowed if approved by the agency. Uh, but it's a way for the engineer and contractor to provide new techniques, new materials, contracting or, or construction methods uh, that you know, hopefully provide cost savings. That's the main reason why they're done, but they will either provide the same level or higher performance uh, by doing so. Uh, but if an owner does not have the engineering experience in-house, then I don't know if they'll have the ability to really approve or disprove ATCs and they might get some that don't live up to expectation. But with that, those are probably the only additional things that I would add to this discussion. Yeah, well, great additions to the conversation on the design build approach and the potential benefits and cost savings on what it could be for more specifically larger projects and, and larger agencies in terms of performance, longevity, durability, ride quality, and things like that. Uh, Tim Martin, the president of 2TM Consulting Engineers, Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Nick. If you want to learn more about infrastructure strategies that save time, money, and lives, head on over to agileassets.com. Once again, thank you to Tim Martin for sharing his expertise with us today. I'm Nick Frank. Join us again next month for another edition of Move Your Assets.